0: Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. Now before we begin, I do have some parish announcements, if you will, that we really want you to know about. We hope you plan on joining us for Shop, Sip, and Sing tonight. Try and say that five times fast. Shop, Sip, and Sing is a one-night-only event that NPM is hosting for those who attended NPM's virtual convention and even, in a way, for those who didn't. So tonight, August 31st, from 5.30 to 9.00 p.m. Eastern Time, our exhibitors are offering live sessions on various topics, from product demonstrations to guest speakers, on all topics music and ministry. They are offering these live sessions via Zoom every 30 minutes from 5.30 to 9.00 p.m. tonight Eastern Time, and all of these events are on the virtual convention platform. That means if you were a full or limited convention registration for NPM's virtual convention this year, you will get free access to the platform tonight for these events. So grab your drink of choice and shop and sip with us tonight. Let's say you didn't attend the NPM virtual convention. Well, there's something for you tonight as well. Head over to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash NPM live stream. That's all one word. And you get to sing with us tonight. From 9 to 10.30 PM Eastern time, we are all singing along to our first ever super showcase of music. We've asked some of our partners and publishers to bring the best of the best, their favorite music, for you to sing along. We have compiled these songs into one super showcase, and you can sing along at home. Now, please note that this event, this, the sing portion of the event, is open to the public, and again, it will be available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash npm live stream. Lastly, I want to remind you of the new program we're working on here at Ministry Monday. We are starting a new series on the podcast to feature you. Yes, you. NPM Spotlight is a new series for Ministry Monday that allows you to nominate yourself or others to be featured on the podcast. Maybe you or somebody you know is ministering in a unique way. Maybe it's a limitation due to budgetary constraints, or maybe someone you know is using creative ways to engage a parish in light of the current pandemic. Or maybe you recently merged parishes and your ensemble director or your handbell director is engaging music ministers from both parishes in a very unique way. Or maybe you've heard of a local church that is live streaming their liturgies in a way that's just inspiring. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you. NPM Spotlight will feature pastoral musicians across our country and our world. Email us to nominate a fellow pastoral musician to be interviewed. Our email address, as always, is ministrymonday at npm.org. Today on the podcast, we discuss the nuts and bolts of ministry. All of us are encountering our ministerial responsibilities through a different lens at this time. Many of us are working from home and have limited access to the liturgy planning committees and physical resources that we normally have. What's more, our parishioners are experiencing our parish life differently at this time. With our numbers drastically reduced in many locations due to COVID 19, Our parishioners are not experiencing our church life or ministry from the pews. And the ministers that are usually our anchors every week for ministry are unable to attend. What do we do? How do we plan? Are there actual opportunities for growth at this time? Today I speak with Patrick Nisbet and Patty Such, two people who have great experience in the planning and digital sides of ministry. First, we start with Patrick today. Patrick Nisbet is the founder and CEO of Liturgy Help. Patrick has decades of experience with liturgical planning in the digital sphere, developing a liturgical planning resource online that 50% of Catholic churches in Australia currently depend upon it is his liturgical and digital context that we draw upon today with hopes that you find new ways to plan and engage in ministry today on ministry monday i am speaking with patrick nisbet hello patrick how are you doing
1: good amanda i'm well thank you
0: good good thank you for speaking to me on what is my dinner time but is your beginning of the day so thank you for taking the time this morning
1: It's early and cold here.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm grateful for your time today. So Patrick, um, I'm speaking to you today because you, well, I don't want to say you work for Liturgy Help, can you just share a little bit about what position you are in, in your job and what diocese you live in?
1: Sure. I'm the founder and CEO of, of Liturgy Help. Um, we were the first web-based, um, organization to put the Catholic liturgy online about 21 years ago. Um, so we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so I founded the company uh, about 21 years ago um, and been basically running it since then.
0: Great, that's great. In- the diocese is diocese. Hobart.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Hobart's the capital of a, the little triangle at the bottom of Australia. So uh, that's my diocese, though so I'm actually a Queenslander by birth, um, which is on the other end of the country.
0: Great. Okay. So today we are speaking about liturgy, of course, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't have our listeners gain a little bit of insight and context into what you are living in an experience every day in Australia. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are some of the changes that you've seen in Australia because of COVID-19, both as a country and liturgically?
1: Sure. Um, Australia's had it pretty easy compared to the rest of the world. Um, our first wave of COVID, we only had 200 deaths for the entire country. Uh, we went into complete lockdown um, in March uh, and then that was, re- re- we were released from lockdown gradually um, throughout June. Um, we basically had we were COVID free for the entire country, except for people in hotel quarantine, people coming from overseas. And then it escaped from that in Victoria. Uh, and, uh, so the 5 million people in Victoria in particularly in Melbourne have all had to go back into lockdown. Um, and since then there's been about 300 extra deaths, mainly in nursing homes in uh, Victoria. So initially with COVID, um, like you guys, there was a, oh, this isn't that serious. You know, there was, and then all of a sudden it just went bang and we had to go into lockdown Mm -hmm. from memory just before Easter, because I ended up having to do all the readings in my parish, So uh, we tried to do a a very small group of people who would come together every Sunday and through uh, the Easter um, Triduum to just do a very basic mass that we, um, uh, or service that we uh, live streamed on Facebook Live. And that, that was repeated wherever people had the technical skills. So if you had a geek in the parish, basically, who knew enough to put a phone on together and Facebook Live or um, YouTube, but they would do that. Um, so that was probably only about um, ten or twenty percent of the parishes in the country managed to to do that. A lot of them are very very small. So the larger ones um, and the cathedrals did the sort of live streaming, um, particularly through the Easter ceremonies. But that was a real shock to everyone. Like it was like to not have the Easter ceremonies was sort of like so foreign. Um, and in terms of the liturgical experience, like the dissidence between what we would normally do with the high, you know, particularly at Easter, the high liturgy, and then this pared back, um, liturgy, and then the tension between, um, you know, the simplicity of it, not having altar service, like, do you have altar service? You shouldn't have altar service because they're not really necessary, but, you know, there's that tension in the liturgy, um, And it took, cognitively, it took a long time, I think, for people to get their brain around all of that and the shift that happened. Um, So, yeah, that was the initial. And then we've gone through that period. And then coming out of lockdown, uh, uh, masses have started again, but with restricted numbers. So we have a four-metre, square-metre rule in Australia that says we can only have one person per four-metre. So people who had to book in for... To go to mass on a sunday and and that type of stuff um and so numbers are low and then working out you know whether you have an offertory procession which i think you shouldn't probably by the guidelines um how do you give out communion um some of the tensions around that and in particular singing uh so some parishes uh have continued to sing most parishes have sort of change to just have a cantor and an organist um, and try and discourage congregational singing. But it's a, it's a a mixed bag depending on the priest and the diocese and the diocese and guidelines. And we have parishes who are very vigilant and other parishes aren't so vigilant sort of thing. So, yeah.
0: It sounds very similar to what the United States is facing in terms of consistency and, um, different rules with different dioceses, and also, truthfully, like you said, just different priests enforcing it in different churches and cultural backgrounds. So it sounds very similar. Let's transition a little bit, and let's let's talk a little bit about planning liturgically digitally. So, the topic of this episode overall is how to plan for liturgies digitally in all different ways. And to many, especially you, I'm sure this is a very, this is you, very common practice. But there are people who didn't necessarily consult many digital liturgical planning aids prior to COVID-19, prior to us being so isolated. So what are some of the benefits to adapting and depending more on liturgical planning digitally during this time?
1: Sure. Um, Well, there's a very practical one, which is the books. You know, um, often the books are expensive, they're in the um, the parish center, uh, you, you, uh, you can't go and grab them and you can't rip them up and share them. That would be obscene. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, and they're too big to photocopy. So, and that would be illegal. Um, so the, having all the books all the uh, ritual texts available digitally, um, is a, a great benefit. Um, And also being able to have uh, a single point of reference. Like, so um, if you uh, agree on a digital liturgical resource for the parish, then people can, um, you can make that available to multiple people across the parish so that they can uh, work collaboratively, um, be working from the the same um, uh, point of reference um, so suggesting music, then you could have a Zoom meeting like this and be working with a shared screen, that type of thing. There's a, a, a broader issue in terms of liturgy as well. Like, so how do we, um, and, and community building. So how do we um, extend our ministry in, into a non-gathered? John Roberto, when I was in youth ministry, used to talk about gathered and non-gathered ministries. Um, and it struck me that that was a real idea has come to uh, fruition in in the COVID time. Um, And so how do you reach out to people via email and um, make stuff available and encourage parents to work with their children, encourages families to sing together, um, uh, to pray together. So um, without focusing specifically on liturgy help, but what we did is we took a whole lot of our resources that were in PDF format, um, and because they were normally printed, they would be three pages together or five pages together in some places. So we wrote some algorithms to break all those pages up and we made all those pages available individually. So uh, say uh, a musician or a catechist or a, uh, a parish priest can grab the one individual page, email it out with some instructions to their, their families in their parishes, some suggestions on how to use it, that type of stuff. So we've we created a whole section called social isolation um, and added in family prayers and that sort of stuff, um, and the office as well um, for Sundays, because um, in the initial phase of of how do we cope with COVID, there was a lot of discussion as to whether, um, certainly in Australia, whether you know uh, a mass was the correct thing to be to be doing um, via um, uh, Video link, if and uh, Facebook Live, and some people suggested that um, the office was also a valid option um, in that whole process. To to it's the prayer of the people, it's the prayer of the church, and so um, uh, so we try to create that balance between the two. Um, so yeah, uh, but it, essentially digital resources, making it easy for people to email them out, um, to share them, to work together on screens with them. Um, uh, to pray together via zoom that type of stuff is is uh is the sort of vision we had initially um so yeah
0: i think you said something really interesting that i just want to touch back on too especially right now in this time in our history as a church i think liturgical planning might even be I hope i'm not sounding absolutely you know ridiculous when i say this but i think liturgical planning is even past the liturgy you said something about of course you know, planning family prayers and sharing family prayers. I think this is an unprecedented time in that way. And so digital planning aids could help with not just liturgical planning, like you said, but expanding the faith experience for families as well.
1: Yeah, indeed. Like we have the idea of, you know, praying over a meal and that sort of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and certainly the Catholic culture is, um, is not necessarily, uh, focused, uh, well, we, we tend to be focused on the Eucharist, like the Eucharist summit and source. And so there's this, you know, and, and so, and when the Eucharist isn't available in its fullness, what are our options? Hence the office. Um, but then hence uh, liturgy is the word um, that families can, um, can do around the kitchen table. Um, they can sing together if they're given the, the tools to, uh, and we all have, hymns that people know and know of by heart um, it's actually one of the biggest questions we've had from our uh, our users is where can i get the hymn words um, because traditionally certainly in australia that hasn't been a big thing because we use hymnals uh, a lot in australia so um, printing hymn words has never been an issue for most parishes so um, we've run that line with uh, one license and and encouraging people to get the the correct licenses from one license ensuring that that's all okay um, and then one license is the key source of those words if if they need them um so uh it's um but it's exactly that it's how do we extend the experience of prayer and liturgy um into that in the family uh church um and encourage people to engage in the sunday readings um f- in terms of liturgy help, uh, our focus is very much on the Sunday gospel um, and making that available in a whole range of different ways. Um, <clears throat> so children's worksheets, for example, that are PDFs that can be emailed out. Um, and whether that's to parents or grandparents, um, we, ex- in our experience, uh, it's often the grandparents who want to have access to this stuff because they're often looking after the kids and they want to Slot the, the catechetical worksheet into uh, into the sort of um, into the time and give, create an opportunity to talk to their kids around around that sort of stuff.
0: Let's talk about Liturgy Help. I think this is a good time to to do so. So, um, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but let me just ask for our listeners: What is Liturgy Help?
1: <clears throat> sure, Liturgy Help um, came out of an idea I had when I travelled to the US um, 25 years ago, probably. Um, which just occurred to me that there was a lot of duplication of work. Um, people sitting there typing out readings every Sunday. Um, the web was barely existed back then, the World Wide Web. The internet had been around for a while, but the World Wide Web was just an emerging technology. Um, and uh, so I thought if we put started to put together this sort of resources, the stuff that people do week in, week out online, that would be a boon to the church and to ministers, and so that's what we worked on for the last 20 years. Um, so, essentially, it's everything you need uh, the lectionary, the missile, it's the US lectionary, it's the US missile, um, Spanish, uh, the US um, in, uh, Spanish, the US lectionary in Spanish, uh, the US lectionary missile in Spanish. Um, everything's adapted to the particular, so we publish in Australia, UK, Ireland, um, Scotland, Wales, New Zealand. Uh, so, each Country is kept completely separate, um, with their own local di- uh, liturgical calendars. Um, so, around the core of the the, the texts, which include the sacraments um, and the sacrament texts, we augment that with a whole range of resources, from scripture commentaries to um, homilies and reflections, to prayers of the faithful, children's catechetical resources, and of course, music, music and psalm settings se- selections. Um, so we have um so if you go to liturgy help and click on a sunday there's just enormous wealth of resources there in a digital format um ready to use and it uses um like the data uh so it's all about the the data um so for example you can click on a particular um gospel and it will tell you what hymns are specifically related to that gospel you can click on a first reading or an entrance antiphon and grab what the specific readings uh hymns are related to that um that particular um text Uh, so yeah that's liturgy hope in a nutshell that's a lot (laughs) it's it's people generally go my god why didn't i know about this previously um and we've been doing it for years it's uh in australia um 50 of the parishes 50 percent of the schools use liturgy help um it's uh extensive like it's if um if anything goes wrong did like on a monday or tuesday in australia with our side it's sort of like the phones start ringing because people it's what people do on a uh when they come in for the week they and start getting ready for the the next sunday um they log on to liturgy help and start grabbing the gear that they need um and we and And that's the thing is we don't, we don't tell you how to plan liturgy. We simply provide a whole range of resources um, that Mm -hmm. then allow you to uh, uh, do what you need to do. Um, We had a priest down here who said, you know, it's like um, a liturgical supermarket. Like you go Mm -hmm. in and pick the bits that you want um, and some things you would never ever go to. And some things you would go to every week. It just depends on your ministry. Your context um and so yeah and the addition of spanish in the last 12 months has really uh, made that much more useful for the american church as well so
0: yeah i agree so along with spanish um are there any other new benefits that we need to know about
1: sure um we've added two recent additions just actually yesterday so um one is now an ability to listen to readings in english and in spanish um and listen to prayers, uh, the the missile prayers. Uh, so you literally just click a button <clears throat> and any of the readings are read out to you. Um, so for people who English isn't their first language or people who Spanish isn't their first language, um, that's a really useful tool. Um, they're very clear, they're very precise um, uh, readings. So that's, that's a great new addition. The other thing is um, after feedback from the conference, um, we have added a new feature that allows individual users to suppress any particular um, composer. So if you go to your profile and then there's a, a liturgical preferences composers section, And in that you can just go through and click any composer and that will be generally removed from that composer. We generally remove from the suggestion lists. Um, There are some places where they may appear where they're sort of embedded in PDFs and stuff like that. But in general, uh, from a data perspective, that composer will be removed. Um, So we had that sort of feedback from the conference. And so we've added that to the system. So, yeah.
0: Great. Great. So to wrap up, if anyone wanted to learn more about Liturgy Help and see if it was a great option for them, where would they go?
1: You go to liturgyhelp.com um, and then select trial. Um, if you went to the conference, uh, you get a four month free subscription um, So or trial. Uh, so if you're on the conference list, just mention it in the, in the, um, the comment section or in the, follow-up emails and we'll make sure that you get your four month generally it's a one-month free trial uh, for non-conference users so um, that's the way to do it and we can get you online you know pretty much straight away
0: great well Patrick I want to thank you for your time today thank you for giving us some ideas on how to plan past the liturgy not to ever disrespect the liturgy but to like you said um, maybe extend to the family church a little bit more and to, to think in a new way. So, thank you for your time today. Thank you for everything you're doing for liturgy and ministry. Thank you. Next on the episode is Patty Such. Patty is an onboarding specialist at Rotunda Software. Many of you might know Patty, as she has been on the podcast before and she attends NPM's national conventions on behalf of Ministry Scheduler Pro. But today Patty shares her experiences thus far in light of COVID-19 both as a member of Rotunda Software helping us all with Ministry Scheduler Pro as well as being a parishioner in the Diocese of Louisville and a music minister in her own parish. Okay, so today on Ministry Monday I have Patty such with me. Hi Patty, how you doing? I'm great. Hi Amanda. Good, good. Um, thank you for talking with me right now. So, Patty, what is your official title with Ministry Scheduler Pro or Rotunda?
2: Uh, I am an onboarding specialist. I started with a company doing some tech support, and I also use Ministry Scheduler Pro at my church. Uh, but mostly right now I'm in sales where I'm talking to people who are inquiring to learn about Ministry Scheduler Pro and see if it would be a good fit for their church.
0: Okay, great. So it sounds to me like you talk to a lot of people across the country about their needs for ministry right now, and I'm sure they're changing. Uh, What are some of the things that you have heard or witnessed in ministerial changes, both in your church, in your diocese, and maybe some of the testimonials you've heard from MSP?
2: Uh, Great question. You know, so many things are different right now, and many of the ways that we are scheduling volunteers and communicating with volunteers has really changed. Um, A lot of places are using no communion ministers. A lot of places are using just a few. Some have no readers, some have one reader. Um, We've just seen all across the board many different ways throughout different dioceses, throughout different churches within a diocese as how they're using their volunteers. Uh, But the main thing we're finding is that um, I had someone call me the other day and they said, you know, we've always just done this on paper. We put pieces of paper in the back of church and people would just sign up and tell us they wanted to serve next weekend. Mm -hmm. And that's just not going to work anymore. Uh, We come in the door, you know, we're not talking too much and we are certainly not hanging around after Mass is over. and so there's no ability to say, hey, can you serve next weekend um, and, and get those pieces of paper filled out. So we've definitely seen an increase in people uh, asking those questions. How can we continue, you know, how can we start, get started and use your program to schedule our volunteers? And we've had a lot of conversations with our current users who are like, okay, what do I do now? They changed all the service times and I don't need all these ministries. So um, it's been quite a journey and we've loved being able to support our customers through this because they've got a lot of questions and we even have a Google group and they ask each other questions, which is um, a lot of fun.
0: That sounds fun. I want to be a part of that group. Can I be a part of that group?
2: Anybody can, (laughs) yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, okay, but you said something right now though that I want to kind of touch base on. So you mentioned um, a scenario where um, ministers would sign up the week before to minister, but of course, signing up for a mass has taken an entirely new way of our being right now. So, um, in terms of sign-ups for mass, for attendance, for those who attend, have you seen any trends with technology in this area?
2: For for those to attend, um, we've seen within our Google group and with a lot of conversations many different styles. Mm-hmm. There are programs that give you a ticket that assign you to come in or assign you to a particular pew. Um, they are people used using things like Sign Up Genius. Um, we have a new uh, product called unison.io and it's uh, similar where you can make a Uh, event in a calendar and say the 9 a.m. mass can have 25 people and then only 25 people can sign up. You can then email those people, remind them that they signed up. So we're seeing a lot of uh, instances where churches are needing that. They might be only able to have 30 people come in and therefore they've got all these people who would love to attend but they can only allow so many. So that has definitely been a challenge for many churches to figure out how do I figure out who gets to come to church um, if their building is smaller. Yeah. How do
0: I get people also involved, I think, too, signing up that necessarily don't belong to the church? This is something that we had at my church because I work in a very transient church. Um, Have you heard of anyone like that where, you know, you want to make sure that those who are not parishioners can still sign up
2: for Mass? I think what's a really cool thing to make sure you are checking out no matter what system you're using to, if you're using a signup system for those um, who are attending service is to see who's new in there, capture those emails, reach out to these people who maybe have been attending your church for a long time and have never officially joined. So what a great opportunity, uh, you know we, we think of the challenges we have right now, but we also have to remember that there are opportunities. There are opportunities to engage these people who finally have given you a contact. Um, I think it's a, that's a great way to find that thing out. Um, about these, new, about these people.
0: I think that's a silver lining right now to all of this is that we oftentimes, like you said, don't get contact information from someone who's been attending for a very long time and maybe it's never signed up or maybe they're new. Who knows? Um, okay, so. We've talked about those who use technology but what about engaging with those who don't use technology and I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus but we probably all have someone in our ministry or in our church in general who says the following I don't do email that's a sentence I get a lot so what about engaging with those who
2: aren't using technology in general Most all programs, and certainly Ministry Scheduler Pro, can take care of your volunteers that don't use Internet. I'm going to give you an aside with that. Okay, you don't have an email address. And we have lots of people who don't. There's not a church who doesn't have somebody that doesn't use email. Mm -hmm. But they do have an iPad so that they can Zoom or FaceTime with the grandchildren. Please ask or do they have the iPhone or an Android phone, because they can always use the app, and so you can still engage with them even if they don't have um, email. Within our program, when you send out an announcement, you have the ability to click on a button that says print, for those without internet access. So you can always give them their schedule, mail these uh, communications out. Um, Something that's important, especially right now with our volunteers is thanking them. Thanking these people who, you know, you probably have less volunteers involved right now. So some are serving very often. And therefore, it's great to be able to thank them, whether you're going to print that out and mail it to them or just a quick email. But thank everybody who worked, you know, helped out this weekend or served more than two times this month, whatever, you know, you feel is appropriate. Um, But keep them involved and give them a, you know, let them know you appreciate these extra uh, things that they're doing to go above and beyond.
0: Right. Yeah, that's very true right now. And also, I think the face of ministry right now and volunteering is changing. Uh, which actually leads me to my last question for you. So this one is a little more MSP centered, but I still think could apply for those who may not use ministry scheduler pro, but um, for those who do use ministry scheduler pro, how can we use it more effectively in a time when ministers are limited? I mean, we currently at my church don't use Eucharistic ministers, for example, just for now. So how do you, you know, use it to engage and, keep track and schedule people in a different way.
2: So many things have come up. One, we might have a new ministry. At my church, communion ministers had to be completely retrained, so I gave them a new ministry so that only those who are qualified in that ministry have been trained in the new procedures can be scheduled. We had a brand new ministry that we call Hospitality, and they are squirting our hands when we walk in the door, taking our temperature, and giving us a worship aid. Completely different than what our ushers and greeters were doing. So again, a new ministry with these who are, Uh, qualified to serve in those ministries. Some people have made themselves inactive or put in away dates because this is just not the right time for them. They're not uh, ready or they're not, um, they're compromised and it's not safe for them to come to service. So those things all kind of come into play. And remember also that you might have opportunities for additional ministries that you can engage these people who want to do something, but they can't be involved so we were able to get new people involved to be hospitality ministers in this new ministry who've not been engaged before or maybe they're communion ministers or lectors, and there there's less use for them right now so we could tr- get them trained in a new ministry but there's also calling those who are elderly and compromised and just keeping in touch with them. They, they're they lonely. They need that. Or uh, prayer trees or maintenance projects around the church or even those who are still picking up groceries and prescriptions. So use your scheduling program to do even more and engage with uh, as many people. And again, if you can send out a, a prayer, a, a, a link to an NPM um, resource. Something that you can send out to your volunteers just keep them engaged. That's so important right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think our ministry—if we didn't realize that extends past the church walls—we now know that you know our church is clearly more than a building, and I think our ministry is so facing outward right now past our church doors. I had a priest that once said to me, "The doors swing outward for church," and I, I love that. It's the same thing right now. Okay, so. Let's say someone's listening to this right now or watching it, and they want to talk with you a little bit more. Maybe they want just your input on the best way to engage, uh, to engage technologically. Um, wh- what do they do next? Can
2: they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, of course, you can go to our website at ministryschedulerpro.com for more information. Uh, you can call my direct line or my email. Uh, my email is patricia at RotundaSoftware.com, and my direct line is four one five eight three nine five two three two. And love, yeah, you know, try and shut me up is usually the problem. So I love, love, love to talk ministry, talk about options, and and truly, if you're not using MSP, we're not a hard sell company. I'm not gonna try and convince you to use something that you don't want, but I can help you determine if it's the right solution for you, and I'd love that opportunity.
0: Cool, that's great, and I'll put that email and phone number in the show notes of this episode as well so that they can touch base with you. Um, But Patty, I wanna thank you for your time. I wanna thank you also for the fact that you were helping all of us make some type of logic or sense of what feels like even now still a very tumultuous time. So thank you for your time and thank you for your efforts to help us all stay organized in ministry.
2: Oh, you're so welcome. And always a, a pleasure to chat with you Amanda too. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much to Patrick and Patty for their time today. For more information about the topics we discussed today, please visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. A recording of Oh God, You Search Me was produced by Oregon Catholic Press. Our theme music was written and produced by Erin Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.